Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Minimally Edited. This is our first time recording in over a month. The last time we recorded was at the end of January. Now it's almost the middle of March, so took a little <laughs> bit of a took a little bit of a hiatus, hiatus. With the podcast. Yeah, but now everyone's back. And in advance, the whatever we're recording on for some reason is not completely in sync. So we might be talking over each other. There's a little bit of de- delay for us, so conversation might be a little bit difficult on that end. But yeah, I thought we would just get started with um. Just like an update of where we've been for the last six six weeks. Oh, also, also, before that, there's a tangent. I don't know, even know if you guys remember. I don't. We don't. We never said this on the podcast, but uh, when we recorded before we recorded our first episode, I kind of told you guys that um, if we recorded 15 episodes in six months, I would consider this a success. Or published 15 mm-hmm. episodes in six months. I don't know if you guys remember that, but uh, I think our first episode was at the end of October, which gives mm-hmm. us until like the end of April to do so. Maybe a little bit more than a month, and this is episode twelve. So, uh, pretty, pretty good not there us. yet. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Pretty solid six, five months so far. Twelve episodes. Yeah. What What is the the statistic? It's like it's like ninety percent of podcasts fail before the first or like the third episode or something. Or yeah, maybe not fail, but like don't get past the third episode or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been good. I can see um, that feeling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, congrats. Um, and hopefully we can get that 15 episode mark. That's basically one episode a week, maybe with, with a little bit of lee room until the end of April. So, yeah. All right. Do we want to talk about what's been going on in the, the month of February? Nice, nice. Okay, I can start. Yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. Because I feel like you've had the most uh, life changes, life updates. Um, y'all can't see Eli right now, but he's in this little little cardboard box that I visited yeah. um, in New York City, but yeah. So <laughs> yeah, in January, let us know. Let us know. In January, I was living in Williamsburg, in New York. Talked about it already, so won't go too much into that. Then at the end of January, my like not really a lease, but but I paid for one month. It ended, so I went back home for a week, and then I visited Josh and Austin for like three weeks. The rest of February, basically, um, that's how I spent my time. Basically, all of February, just hanging out in Austin, uh, working remotely. Um, hanging out with friends and stuff. And I know I talked about it before, but the biggest adjustment for living in New York was like just n- not being surrounded by my friends anymore. Like when you're in school, you live with your yeah. friends, you have classes with your friends, you eat every meal with your friends. Um, and it was like a huge adjustment because I had basically no friends in the city. Everyone was at school and kind of made do with that. I spent most of my days like alone. Last week, uh, or the last like five days I was in New York, a friend of mine visited, we hung out a lot. I was getting like lunch every once in a while with, with people I knew and stuff like that. But overall it was like very, very like isolated time. And then went back home, spent some time with family. And then when I was in Austin, it's like wake up and you just spend the whole day around people. So it was like a very welcome change from my point of view. I, I enjoyed getting that so- socialization back, just like hanging out, like there's stuff that you miss, like, oh, going to the gym with someone or you can play basketball yeah. or like getting meals, don't have to eat meals alone, that kind of thing. So that was nice. And then um, that was left. I think I left Austin February like 27th or 28th, spent a couple days back at home packing, repacked everything and then moved back to New York on um, this time in, in Lower East Side. Uh, yeah, and it was interesting because I went to I left Austin, went to New York. And then the day I got there, Josh also came from Austin because he had like a, basically a field trip for, for school. Um, yeah. And so it's like, just, it's like following me around the country. Um, but <laughs> I don't know if you guys get this feeling, but like, uh, 
at the end of a TV show, like when you've watched the TV show for, you know, like eight seasons and then the TV show ends, you feel like there's like a, like a pit, like a miss, there's like something, a hole in your life, right? Because this TV show was like a big part of, you know, just your day-to-day experience, like following along with these characters that it's as if they were your friends. And then when it ends, it feels like something's missing. That's kind of what it feels yeah. like in my life right now. Cause it was just like a whole month of spending time with my friends. And now all of a sudden, like back alone, um, like it mm-hmm. was in, in January. So it's a little bit of an adjustment there, but yeah. Yeah. That, that, was, that sounds pretty rough. I think, uh, like, I when, <laughs> no, 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 it's, it sounds, it's like a cool experience, but at the same time, like, it reminds me a lot of, like, uh, like when people, when people come back from studying abroad, um, like, kind of say, and they say, like, oh, yeah, you can make a lot of friends, but a lot of the times that um, you spent and are actually traveling around Europe, for example, um, is by yourself, and so at the end of the day, it's, like, you get to see a lot of cool stuff, you got to eat a lot of cool food, but you're, you're doing it by yourself, and so, like, it's not, you know, it doesn't reach this, the, the greatest potential that you could have when you're traveling with your friends or something. Um, and like, I think as humans don't think we're, we're, we should be alone. And like, I think for you, there's, it's a very unique time in your life where, where you like wake up, you spend the entire day alone and then you go to bed. I think like, even, even after college for me, I cannot imagine myself not like hanging, hanging around people. Like we'll have coworkers, um, after coworkers, I'll have roommates, um, that kind of stuff. But for, for you, I, I feel like it's very, very different. And I think like, uh, there, there might not be a time in my life where I'll have that kind of situation where like week on week on end, I'll, I'll be by myself, which, which I think is, is unique and uh, very character building. So good for you for taking on the, <laughs> the risk. But, um, for me, like it, it's like, I feel like Eli and I's story are like exactly the same. I'm just on the opposite end of it. Um, so February, when Eli came, uh, it was great. We like shared a bed um, <laughs> for, for like two, three weeks, right? Three um, weeks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it was crazy because uh, I think like the, the last week um, that he was here, I was put on a stock pitch and, and I spent, you know, maybe like, you know, I don't know, what would you say, like 30, 30, 40 hours in, in the week um, working mm-hmm. on that pitch. Um, and so I'd come back like 3, 4 a.m. and I was, I was like, wake Eli up to like scoot over a little bit so I could <laughs> fall asleep, I to wake up, you know, get some food in me, go back to the FERC, the Financial Education Resource Center, and then, and then go work on the stock pitch again. But it, it was nice seeing Eli. I think uh, like when Eli comes, my, my life feels a lot more like disorgan- unorganized. I feel like, uh, like, I don't know if it's like an obligation to like hang out with Eli, but also it's like uh, um, I want to hang out with Eli because I don't know when the next time I'm going to see him is. Um, and I'm like, I feel like it's a, I should like capitalize on the opportunity to hang out with him while I have him here. Cause like in the long run, who knows, right? Like who knows if you'll be in the same city post-grad or something. So, um, I think like that, that's like a, like a, a big change that happens every time Eli visits, but yeah, uh, then Eli left. And then like two days later, I went to New York and started living with Eli. Uh, this time <laughs> we got to see his like tiny, tiny, car, uh, like apartment in, in Chinatown, Lower East Side area. Um, and it was me, my friend Ellison, um, and then Eli in this like king size bed. And I, I probably Eli's room probably took up like two thirds of the entire apartment. Uh, like you walk in, there's a kitchen. First of all, like the kitchen, the faucet in the sink is like <laughs> the handle is backwards. So like it's oh. usually you, usually you pull it out to uh, like like turn on the water and you push it back in to turn off the water. But this was flipped. And so like every time you brush your teeth, okay, first of all, you can't even brush your teeth in the bathroom because it's so small. So you have to brush your teeth in the kitchen and <laughs> it, it would like be opposite. And so you like hit the, hit the faucet and it, like nothing would happen. You'd be like so confused anyway. Um, then, okay. So yeah, the kitchen is right there. As soon as you walk in, then take like two more steps. You're in the living room. 
it's a it's like like one tiny couch facing the bathroom um, there's like no tv or anything the bathroom is there it's like a it's like a small airport bathroom right next to it it's like not even connected to the bathroom it's like, like a, a shower but it's like not a real shower it's like a shower with a drape um and then you have like a screen coming out of it so you can like guess like segment you off from the kitchen so like you're not showering in the kitchen basically um, <laughs> yeah. like and then the first night we had like a this huge issue or I, this was the first morning actually so we got home like i guess pretty late it was like probably we slept around like one one two ish uh or no this is like what what day was this this is like friday uh, that, you, we got there yeah, friday. yeah 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 and so the next morning I, I got up to shower and i needed to get like ready for the day and we could not figure out how to get like the overhead shower to start working and so we turn on the water and only like the, the little faucet on the bottom would start like spitting out water. And so like uh, we took our losses and I, I got in and like took a towel and so like wet the towel and started scrubbing my body with the towel. And then Eli contacted the Airbnb owner um, and and then uh, eventually we figured out that you'd like pull on like the end of the faucet or some, some really random stuff. Uh, but I think it was very scrappy. It was very character building and it was a lot of fun being in New York. Did a lot of networking, met a lot of really cool like UT alumni um, that I feel like, I don't know, I feel like very lucky to meet these people. Um, I think that's like why you go to a huge school like Texas where you have like access to generations and generations of people that have gone onto Wall Street, got on to do really, really cool things. And, and I think that's like why you go to college. I mean, like class is okay too, but I think like the network and like the people that you can meet is, is really, really important. But yeah, and and so now I'm on spring break. My friends and I rented out this Airbnb on Lake, I think it's Lake LBJ. Uh, it's like 45 minutes outside of Austin. And so this is our, this is our what, our second day here. Um, been, been been going well so far, kind of lazy, doing some work here and there. Um, we, we hopped in the water. It's very, very cold. Uh, but I think the plan is to like try to rent a boat or something because I'm sitting here right now actually staring out into the lake and there's so many people flying back on jet skis and boats. And so very jealous of that, but... Um, yeah, it's been fun so far. So, uh, yeah. What about you, Chris? Uh, hi everyone. Um, I probably have the least to share cause I didn't, I haven't been doing anything like fun or anything. I probably, I probably regressed since the last time we talked. I know, um, before we were all like super motivated and, and like ready to get better and everything. But ever since the, the season ended, I've just been like, I, I had three weeks of no swimming and I got to enjoy that. Like that life for a that period true, of that time and then uh we just we literally just got back in the water two weeks ago and it's been so hard <laughs> um but I, I i'm motivated I, I i had a call with um with our friend andre earlier and he was just like oh, i called him yesterday also. yeah it was great it was like it was nice to catch up with him and then just like i was just telling him how i've just been bumming around and i need to get back on it and he said he said to just like keep grinding <laughs> but um nothing nothing's really new with me i've just i've just been here <laughs> I've been here for a while. Well, Catherine came and visited you, right? For her. Birthday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my girlfriend came to visit um over over spring break and like her spring break. Sorry, uh, and it was really fun for a while, and then but she left and I got sad again. But um, <laughs> what? So Josh is on spring break. Eli, you do you've been on spring break? I guess. Um, I guess for my spring break, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited because I in two weeks I get to visit uh, my sister in California, which will be fun. Oh, nice. But other than that, I just have to get over this like final little stretch before then. Everyone's spring yeah. break is this week for some reason. How was the end of the swim season? How did it? Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it was. It's like it, it, I don't know. I, I I'm always like, 
I always want more out of it, but at the same time, like it, it's always like a relief to like be done at the end, you know, it's like, and also, um, I got three weeks off, which is like really nice. Like those three weeks were so like, I was, I, I don't even know if I was productive during those three weeks, but it was just nice to not have that thought of constantly swimming on your mind all the time. Yes. Yeah. I remember yeah. when I was swimming and in high school, it's when, when you have that like two week break at the end of the summer, right? Like between between the, the end of the summer season and then the beginning the of the short course season. season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was like, it's just like a weight lifted off your your, your mind. Mm-hmm. Like just a yeah, ton definitely. of mental real estate free. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about like waking up early or like these hard practices and stuff. So uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. And you're also I in summer, like- so you don't have any of responsibilities, right? So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Um, do you guys want to? Yeah, I also I also oh, wanted okay. to give one more update. So we mentioned like uh, I think it was it was probably in the January podcast where one of our New Year's resolutions was to run a marathon. And so I think it's like a, it's a worthwhile thing to mention that we've actually started running. I, I, my first like couple runs or my first run was with Eli. Actually, he was in Austin for it. We had like our, our brand new shoes. Uh, me, Kevin, Sid, or yeah, we got got these like matching Pegasus shoes. Uh, Eli has them now. But we were super excited to run. I go out. First of all, it's so hot in Austin right now. It's like 70, 80 degrees. And it's so humid. So I'm going out. Start out strong. We're going out from West Campus um, into like the more suburb area of Austin. And like into like a like a park area. But just like immediately start dying like once we get down the hill. And, I, and <laughs> when we turn around, this is like, it's like, what, like a three-mile run. Yeah, um, it was like, like three, we, used to, we used to do that that, that was so easy back in the day. <laughs> but like on the way back, it was uphill. Like Eli and Kevin had to wait for me at the top of the hill. Like there's like many hills on the way up um, on this like massive hill. And uh, they would have to wait for me at like each different stop. And I'll be like, oh, like it just feels so bad. But now, now I'm cooking, you know, like I feel like uh, really starting to pick up the pace a little bit. I feel like I feel more confident in running maybe like more than three miles, maybe like four. Today we ran, ran four miles. I think maybe like five, six. I think I want to push to the goal maybe by the end of uh or like the beginning of summer is to run like a 10 mile run just to see like what it feels like uh, i don't think i've ever run 10 miles in my entire life which would be huge so big milestones there but yeah i, I don't know eli is any any thoughts on your side about, about running uh no i i think it's like just like you haven't ran in a very very long time basically since covid yeah. um and I actually haven't ran since I left Austin. And our last run in Austin was like February like 20th or something. So it's yeah, been yeah, almost yeah. a month since I ran. So I feel like when I get back into it, I'm going to be like you. Like, again, it's going to be restarting <laughs> again. I don't know. I haven't yeah. found a good like running place and running routine yet for me. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just it's just like a little process. You got to keep chipping yeah. at it. Yeah. I can't agree. Take, can't I think, take, it, I think it's, it's also nice like having a goal again. I think um, like swimming, like the biggest thing like that I took away from it was like setting goals and then working to achieve those goals. And then like in school, in college, it's, it's very, very difficult to like have that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, sure. You can set goals like, oh, I want to get like straight A's this semester. But it's like, it's not, it's, it's like pretty linear. There's not like many challenges you face. It's like you do these right steps and you'll get the goal running. It's like you have to like make, make yourself go out, run, um, and then like you achieve the goal, right? Um but I think it's just it's just nice having that kind of feeling, like competitive spirit again. Um, something I kind of missed. But all right, let's get into the the topic then for today. So the topic today is uh, I, I'll give some backstory. Um, I was telling Josh before we started recording. But uh, so yesterday morning or Friday, just a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, uh, woke up woke up a little bit later than I wanted to. Was walking to the gym. 
stepped in a puddle and I was just like, oh, like today's, it's not a good day. You know, and then I got a message from our friend, Anna saying that she, I don't know if I could share. I'll just say like saying that she got the, she signed a job offer for it's also, summer. it's like her, it's like her dream job. Basically. Dream. She got the like dream, dream job dream offer. Company. Yeah. Yeah. She got the dream company and she signed the offer letter. So, you know, like all set. And this is something that, um, Josh and Anna and all of like your, your friends, Josh are like are working towards is like the, the big thing on everyone's mind, you know? So it's like a huge deal. Right. And then at, at that moment I was like, this is not a bad day anymore. It's like a very good day now. And it got me thinking that, um, just about the topic of feeling happy for your friends, but especially in the context of when you want the same thing as them or when you're almost mm-hmm. like not really competing with each other, but, but going striving for the same thing. And for me, like I'm not doing finance or anything. So I, I think when you don't want the same thing as your friends, uh, it's very easy to feel happy for them, right? Cause it's like, there's no sense of like competition or, or any of that type of stuff. But um, just wanted to explore that, that topic. Cause I know when, um, when I did debate in high school, it was like very difficult mm-hmm. for me to feel hundred percent happy for when my friend did well, because I, like, the thought that would always be in my, the back of my mind would be like, Oh, like, I wish that was me or like, I could have done that. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I never really liked how I never really liked feeling that, you know, it's like something that you, you'll feel a little bit of sh- ashamed of doing it. And same thing for swimming. It's like when I saw someone else do well, sometimes I'd be like, oh, like, why couldn't I have done that? Or like, I wish yeah. I was the one dropping all that time at that meet, right? So I think we each have very interesting or like different, three different perspectives to share on this. Like for Josh, Josh is recruiting for investment banking. All of his friends are. Um, and mm. from what I can tell, it's like a very wholesome, like tight-knit group that everyone has and everyone supports each other. But I'm, I'm sure yeah. like you get those, like that tension, that the feelings of like, oh, like sometimes you, you want to be happier for, for your friends, but at the same time, it's like you sometimes just wish it was you as well, right? Being able to share mm-hmm. in that success. And then there's Chris who's doing swimming and swimming, I think there's like a nuance there where it's, it's not as zero sum as like applying for a job, right? Like it's very personal, but at the same time, there's still some of those. And then from my perspective, like I'm completely removed from both of these things, like swimming and, and recruiting for, for finance. So I thought that's, that's how, that's, that's what we could talk about today. So if anyone wants to, to start us off. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like definitely these, like, uh, just to give some more context, um, I'd say like maybe it's like four or five of my best friends in college are, um, doing investment banking recruiting. And so um, I, I consider these people are like the top of the class. Like these people are going to get the, 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 the top job offers. Uh, I have no doubt about it. But at the same time, it's like um, everyone is on a different timeline. And so there's private equity recruiting, there's diversity recruiting. Um, and <clears throat> that's all different from like like normal uh, like investment banking recruiting. And so uh, buy side recruiting happens a little bit earlier than diversity. Diversity happens a little earlier than non-diversity. Um, and so being an Asian male, I, I fall into like the final category. And so like in that time, it's, it's, it's a lot of preparation that you do with those non-diversity candidates and those that are recruiting by side. Um, but you're just not able to like actually get into the meat of the process, meaning that like you're not actually getting to do these calls, interviews as soon as like your friends are able to. And so it's like definitely hard because you feel like you're falling behind, but at the same time, you have to kind of remember in the back of your mind that, you know, you're on a different process um, and, and things will just work out in the end and, and you just have to hope that. But it, it, like it's something that Eli and I were talking about before is is that this is a lot more of like a, a zero sum game, right? Like, in, like yeah, we can, we can tell ourselves that like, okay, we are all like working towards the same goal. We should be there for one another. But at the end of the day, there's only set amount of spots that everyone can get. And, and in turn, like that, 
definitely like knowing that I think everyone knows that maybe people don't actually talk about it. Um, but knowing that makes it like a, a little bit more difficult to be as, um, you know, like have that level, same level of camaraderie with your friends. Um, but I will say that like, I, I'm super lucky that we are still going through this process together. I was telling, again, like I was telling Eli this earlier, but uh, I've heard a lot of stories from upperclassmen um, where, where there's like a smaller group of people um, actually recruiting investment banking where they would feel like they're going through the process alone. Um, and so even people in the same like finance teams, uh, we've like talked about this in a previous episode, but um, UT has a bunch of different individual finance teams and those like cohorts of classes within those finance teams typically recruit together. Like even within those a lot of the seniors or a lot of the juniors have felt like in the past I've heard that they're they're kind of alone. They're they're trying to work the recruiting, networking, doing the mocks with different people by themselves. And there's not really like a like a group of people that they can kind of rely on. Um, and so like me having these like five, six uh, very, very close people that I can like, we hang out like every single day, we practice together, um, we keep each other updated on which like applications are opening, which applications are closing, who they've talked to, what they would recommend to like mention, uh, like based on previous conversations with other people. I think all of that is like super, super helpful. And now I'm like kind of seeing the flip side of it because um, yes, like it's, it's hard seeing like people get their dream jobs before you do. But on the, on the flip side is that like, now that they're done, it, it, I can see them reinvesting their time into helping, you know, like the, the rest of us that haven't um, like achieved like their goals yet. And so like it kind of goes with both ways. Like, yeah, sure. Like you feel bad, but you know that like these people have like your interest, best interests at hand and they'll, they'll definitely help you in the long run. And so um, I think another thing is that there's like a common saying at UT. Okay. To give more context, UT is like, like a semi-target school on Wall Street. Um, there's like definitely a top like couple of schools so um, that banks on Wall Street look for. So it's like the Ivies, Warren, for example, Harvard Business School, or I guess it's not it's Harvard Business School, just Harvard, Yale, and then like uh, like Michigan, uh, NYU Stern, um, like those kind of schools. And then like a step, like a tier down from that is UT. And so one big saying that people have at UT is it's not UT versus UT. Like it's not you, you guys competing uh, or competing for like a couple of positions. It's UT versus the world. And so it's like UT versus these other schools. And so you guys should be working together in order to um, like achieve that goal. And so like, I think that's like pretty present at UT. I think something that separates Texas away, uh, like uh, away from like Wharton, for example, um, not to shit on Wharton. It's just like uh, I've heard from like recruiters, for example, they said like people from Texas are a lot more friendly. They're a lot more welcoming. It's like people that you want to be with and it's people that you want to trust in the workplace where Warren, there's like, there's like a kind of a stigma around people being, you know, a little bit more stuck up and stuff. So in addition to like having that, I guess, like competitiveness within the, within the, within like the general field, the recruitment process, it's nice having like those kind of people that you're hanging out with and people like that will, they'll share different information and help you throughout the entire process. Yeah. I can um, speak from like my perspective. So like as a swimmer, uh, what Eli said was very true. It's like, you always want, um, like you want to be the one who everyone is congratulating. And is like, you want to like finish every meet and be like, like I did really well. And then like, then, it, then of course it's easy to feel good for when other people do well also. Cause like then every, everyone's happy. Right. But I think it's pretty tough when you have like a bad meet yourself and you see everyone around you or like your, your, your friends around you all are going best times. And you have to sort of like get over that um, feeling of jealousy or greed for yourself and, and just like be happy. So that's something I, I like, I think I really learned it this year because I, I didn't like, of course, I didn't have the season that I wanted this year. And at my championship meet, um, we have this freshman 
uh, he's one of my friends, and he he beat me in the hundred fly, which like the hundred fly is usually like my event that I I like trained for when I when I got recruited for basically, and he went faster than me. He's like a like the dedicated sprinter on the team now. So then I'm thinking like at first I was like, of course I was upset about it, but then I like thought about it, and then I realized like that's like insane for him to drop like almost a second in this event. Like one of his like his best event is probably the fifty free, but. He just dropped like a second in the hundred fly, just went a really, really fast time. And then all of a sudden, like in that moment, I just realized like I'm realistically only going to swim for like two more years and I don't want to spend those two years um, like feeling bad about myself all the time or feeling like upset that like I didn't do well and that like I didn't want to like push the team aside that way. And I, of course, like I want to put the team first. So then it made it a lot easier for when uh, when I went to go watch like the Ivy's like championship because it was at Brown this year. Um, I actually signed up to be a timer and I think I realized like then that like it's actually very easy to feel like happy for other people or to like see other people do uh, really fast swims even if it's like in the event that you wanted to swim and you see like all these guys are going super super fast it's actually really easy to like feel happy for them I remember I was watching um, my my good friend Marcus on the team and he was he had this like he set out to do this goal for his 100 freestyle that he he really wanted to go 43 in the 100 free. And I just remember I was on the bulkhead. I was timing maybe like two lanes over or something. And he, uh, it was prelims and he, he actually got it. He went like 43, six or something like he destroyed what he wanted to go. And I just remember like, uh, I was so happy for him. Like it was insane to see, like everyone was cheering for him it, at that moment. I knew that it was, it's not actually like, like, it's not a bad thing to when other people do better than you. It's just like, yeah. it should instead like, basically motivate you like i think josh was trying to get it like everyone around you wants the same thing everyone wants everyone wants you to do well so like they you, they should expect like you want them to do well so also i think this reminds me of a i think it's like a kendrick lamar quote that was like i, I hope all my dogs make it even if it's before me and then i that just like sticks with me sometimes like you just gotta you just gotta be happy for other people and realize that like they're they're also cheering for you and they're they'll have like the same reaction for you once you make it you know Mm -hmm. yeah there's something that i've been thinking about is like the the concept of being like a hundred percent happy for someone and I, I read this blog post that someone wrote um this person goes to waterloo which if you don't know is similar to northeastern in that they have these co-ops so like you spend half your year in classes but then you spend half your year doing like a job or like an internship and, and that's just how like the how, how it works and this person said that um oh so, so one, one thing that they said was like oh you're always recruiting um, you're, you're never not recruiting for a job. And, you know, it's like very like kind of a high pressure, kind of like stressful situation. And this person wrote, I, I wasn't able to feel truly happy for my friends until I felt secured in my own job prospects. And I, I think that's like related to this concept of being like 100% happy for someone, you know, like, like when yeah. I was doing debate, like I mentioned earlier, like if someone if my friend did well, like, I feel happy, but it wouldn't be like 100% happy. Or, or I don't know if the hundred percent, like this percentage is the best way to describe it, but there'd be like, you, you would feel happy, but then there'd be other emotions in there as well that were kind of like, uh, in, in opposition to that. And like when, when I, when I got the news that our, our friend Anna got the sign that the job that, that she wanted, that was like a hundred percent happy, you know, for someone. And I think that it's like a very unique feeling, you know, it's like a lot of yeah. these conditions have to be met for you to feel a hundred percent happy for someone. And it's like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's like, I think this whole topic is like something that we all feel, you know, but um, it's like very difficult to talk about because these are like emotions and feelings that people don't really like to admit that, that they feel. But 
but yeah. Yeah, I also think I don't think like it's impossible. I don't I don't think it's possible to like just throw those feelings away too, right? Like at the end of the day, it's like a thing people put themselves first, and I don't blame people because he's the only one like truly looking out for you, con completely one hundred percent out percent of the time is you, and so would not blame people for having like I wouldn't blame myself either for having those kind of feelings where you're like yes I'm I'm super happy for for another person but at the same time you're like oh that should be me or like that could have been me or like uh just like I don't know it's just like some some salty feeling in your mouth but yeah I just don't think like it, it's completely possible to avoid either yeah yeah, yeah it's tough like yeah like I I never liked the the person that I became when things got very competitive you know, like the like looking internally is like I didn't like the person that competition drove me to become, but it's yeah. like a it's tough because it's it's more or less like an unavoidable part of life. A couple, mm. maybe almost a year ago or something like that, I, I wrote I wrote something about like how to how to how to like escape the feeling of always feeling behind in life, or like when you compare yourself to others and you feel behind. And mm. kind of the conclusion that I came to that is like you have to you have to pick like a path that's so unique that number one. Um, no one else is on that path. But number two is like, you're uniquely suited to be the best in the world at the path that you choose. And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, Naval has that quote. It's like, um, be the uh, pick, pick something and like, keep redefining like what this thing is until you're the best at the world in it. You know, like mm-hmm. no one can be the best in the world at like being you, right? Like, uh, obviously, like being you isn't a isn't necessarily like an employable skill or something that like generates mm-hmm. value for society, right? But if you could find like an intersection of your unique advantages. Um, yeah. And it's such that it's like highly niche and you could also be like world-class at it. Then I think that's the way of es- escaping that feeling of like, Oh, you know, and envy mm-hmm. and jealousy and, and feeling behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Last night, last night, uh, this is like super, super, super far off track. But, um, last night we watched, uh, at the Airbnb, we watched this movie. It's called the rental. Basic plot of the movie is, um, these people rent out an Airbnb and there's like some mysterious stuff that goes on. It's like a horror movie of things going wrong at the Airbnb. And, First of all, it's like super far out of my comfort zone. I hate horror movies. I get scared super, super easily. I know Eli's exact same as me. Uh, and so these 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 like freaking weirdos wanted to watch this horror thriller movie at like midnight in this random random Airbnb Airbnb in like the some buffuck nowhere town um, in Texas. And so okay, we watched the movie. Uh, but anyway, there's just like murder in the in the movie, and I don't want to give anything away, but. Um, he's really, really good at what he does. And there's some like some really cold scenes of like him doing like his job. And I'm like, dang, like uh, one day I want to perfect my craft so I could be like, <laughs> oh, so cold. Um, and like we were talking about it after, but, but yeah, yeah, it's like super niche. It's like, that's why every single thing that Eli was just talking about, it's super niche, but he was so good at it. But I don't know. I think like for me, like I can't see myself doing something super niche. It's just be like, uh, I don't think I'm like 100% like the most creative person out there. And so if I were to like create a whole nother field for myself, I think it'd be very, very far out of my comfort zone. Like maybe like starting a company would be like kind of like that. Um, but like there's, there's, you know, millions of uh, entrepreneurs out there. Right. And so like, you're not doing anything super, super unique. Everyone's has gone through like similar experience. Um, but I think like, aside from being unique, I think it's like very, very important to hone on like one specific skill that you have within your job. So like, for example, like investment bankers do a lot of like, they do modeling, they do like uh, like pitch deck stuff, they do um, like pitching like in itself. And so like when you get up to the upper levels, people usually specialize into one specific industry or one specific um, like products that they sell in order to like be the best at there. And so like you can, you can kind of like, 
or that that's where your value proposition comes in as like a managing director, for example, um, especially because the majority of your job is like a sales job. And so you're selling yourself and you're selling the company. And so if you're not the best in the field um, for what you, you're like pitching, they will just go to some other bank where they have a better MD and pick like their choice over. So um, like I hate to keep referring back to banking, but I, I don't think I'll, I don't know like how long I'll do that for, but like that's just like, I'm so immersed in it right now. Um, mm -hmm. And that's like all yeah. I can think about. Especially right now, like this specific you know, time of the year. <sighs> yeah. 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 Uh, I was going to say, I think I have a uniquely like different experience from, from Josh and like Eli also, because like outside of swimming, I don't see like as like my like schoolwork or my, like my career track, like as of now as like super competitive for me. Like I'm not competing with other students in my class, like Josh maybe to like get internships and stuff. And like, that's why I think it's it's pretty easy for me to feel like a hundred percent happy whenever I check in with with them and and like I ask Josh like oh did you get like how was your like I, I know like nothing about finance so I'll, I'll always be asking him like oh like what's like a final round interview oh what's like a super day or something like that and then like he'll say like he did good on it or like he had a call or something or he'll send a picture of like him and him and like Kevin and stuff in in suits and I'll I'll uh -huh. I'll just be like oh they look good like they look sharp like I hope. I hope they do well. Like, <laughs> I like, I don't understand what they're doing, but I, it's like, it's easy to like, I feel like it's really easy for me to feel like, like really proud of them for, for like doing all these stuff and like traveling to, I'll ask them like, how his New York trip was, like who we met, like all of that stuff. It's like, I feel like, like that aspect, I can like really get down with them um, feeling a hundred percent happy. So I don't know like if that all changes the future, like when I like get into a really competitive like process, I guess. Um, but as of now, I feel like it's, it's pretty unique that I'm like, I'm, I'm like outside of their little bubble over there. So everything they're doing is just, is, is easy to, to feel proud for them for. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. When you're removed, <laughs> when you're removed from the competition, it's like a lot easier to, to do so. Something I'm interested in actually for, for you, Chris is, all right. So back in that blog post thing that I wrote a while ago, I said like, oh, th there's, there's two ways to escape the feeling of being behind. Um, one of them is to like create this niche for yourself where you're the only one on this path. And, you know, by definition, you're it's so uniquely tailored to you that you're world-class, the best in like the world. A, like a serial killer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And, but then the, the other, then the other way is to like become world-class, like work really hard, have the talent, get lucky enough so that you're the best in the world at something. But obviously like not by definition, not everyone can be the best. Right. So that's like, that's not the, the practical path to take. That's like, you know, for the 0.001%. I'm curious, Chris, because growing up, Chris, you were like that kid. You were the best, like, swimmer out, out of, like, when we grew up. No, it's, I think it's true. Like, for people in our in our graduating class, like, you were the best swimmer, you know? And for, like, a lot of your, for, for much of, like, your, your life, too. I think, like, basically starting from when you were, like, 14 years old, maybe even earlier than that, like, you're clearly, like, the best person in our group, right? And I'm, I'm curious, like, how, how it felt from you, Um what, what, did you did you feel like did you did you still have those feelings of being behind because like i'm sure you can you weren't the fastest like kid in the world right you're just like in, in <laughs> kind of this like local bubble um our club mm -hmm. at the very least like you're the best i'm curious like how you felt growing up given your your position i don't i would say like i didn't really like i didn't really see myself as being like i i didn't i don't know i i don't i didn't realize that swimming could be like something outside of just like an after like a sport that i played until like maybe junior year when I was like, when I got serious into the recruiting process, like before then I sort of just saw it as like, Oh, like I want to do well for myself. Like I, I didn't like see this as like, I'm like competing. Like I want to do better than this, this specific kid. I just want to do well for myself. 
And I guess that kind of carried me far. But like, I think, especially in college, when I noticed like, wow, everyone around me is like now like super, super fast. And um, I was sort of like lagging behind. Uh, I'm not mad at myself at that or anything, but I think like this is when I like started like realizing that like, wow, like looking back, like I wasn't actually like world-class. I, I, I may have like felt a little bit better. Like I may have noticed that the most, maybe like my senior year when I was off, to, when I was going off to college for swimming, I may have like went like, wow, like I'm really going like D1 in a sport. That's pretty, pretty insane. But like in college, I definitely got humbled and I feel like, um, I'm sort of finding like my niche, like where I fit in the team. Like I'm, I'm obviously not like the stud of the team, but like I, I, I do like contribute in other ways. And I think that's like really where, like what's important. Like, I think that sort of relates to what you said about like, don't be like, like if you can't be world-class then be like the best version of you, I guess, as you can, or like do something that differentiates you so that you're the best at doing that. I think that's the route I'm sort of going down. So like, I may not be like the fastest swimmer, but I can contribute other ways. Hmm. Like a like a role player on an NBA team. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like something no, something else. But a role player on a I am basketball team. Hey. Oh, that's <laughs> that's you. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's interesting, right? Like we we as NBA fans or like people that watch NBA like look at role players or bench players and be like, oh yeah, like that's tough, right? Like they're they're not that good at basketball. But you still got to remember, like these people made it to the NBA, right? Like growing up, they were probably the best in their high school. Like they were they were. You got to be like top one percent of like D one basketball players to make it to the NBA, right? And to become D- D1 at a top school, you got to be like top 1% of your high school class and everything like that. So it's it's interesting. This is like a little bit, this is not super related to the original topic, but I always think it's interesting to put things in context. Like, yeah, there's that guy that plays like six minutes a game and averages two points per game in the NBA, but like he's still like one of the best, he's one of the best basketball players in the world, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the there's a guy, there's a, I forgot his name, um, this white guy. He, he he like set up Max this one v one tournament. No 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 no. He set up this one v one. This is like a long. This is a long time ago. Oh Brian Scalabrini. Yeah, Brian yeah. Scalabrini. He set up this one v one tournament with like random people um, that challenged him because they thought could, they could beat him on a one on one and destroyed them. And he was like his famous quote is saying that he's closer to LeBron is than we are to him. Uh, yeah, which is pretty yeah, interesting that's well. crazy. It's crazy because he was actually legit one of the worst players in the NBA. Yeah, I think they like there's like 400 something players in the NBA, and like he's like based on some metric, he was like nine, like bottom like one percentile. You know, like he's one of the worst players in the NBA. He has a ring though, you know, from the, the 2008 Celtics, I think. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's but you know, like one of the uh, worst players in the NBA will still cook. Like I think he played D one basketball players, like, like average D one person. Like he would still cook them, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So like, even for, for you, Chris, like, you you know, like you said, you're not like the fastest person on this, like the D D one, D one swim team. But, but like, if you look at, if you like zoom out and look at your swimming career, it's like, you've accomplished more than like me and Josh, like by far, but like 99.9% of people, it's like an incredible what you've done, you know? So I, I think yeah. it's like, it's cool to look back on those things and put put like accomplishments in context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes yeah, like I my, like my biggest just... achievement. Sorry. sorry wait, say... uh, let me, before, before you go, <laughs> before you start bragging to us, my biggest achievement uh, in swimming is getting junior nationals. And I didn't even actually get a swim at junior nationals because COVID, but I, I hit, like I, I made the 200 back cut by 0.02. Remember, and in interviews and stuff, if, if people ask me what my greatest success was, like talk about like how swimming like and hitting that achievement, but then not me getting to like, uh, it's like swim life stuff. But anyway, the, the whole all in all is my biggest achievement in swimming is 
making junior nationals, but Chris treats junior nationals as like a ramp up, like a like a yeah. like a step he already up has like before a ton he can achieve his goals. So I collect them like infinity stones already. Actually, mm-hmm. actually though, like he'll be like, oh, like I remember him talking, like oh, I was like, oh, I really want J Nash, J Nash and stuff, and he's like, oh yeah, like when I go to Orlando, like uh, oh, I don't really want to swim this event. I might scratch this event because this one's not. I'll be like, dude, like. I'd be, Give it to I'd, me. Be, I'd be elated <laughs> to swim this event. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But it, it just put things in context. So what were you going to say? Well, I was, well now I want to say I, I, I actually made that 100 back cut also. I'm not going to lie. but <laughs> Bro, I didn't even make the 100 back cut. I only made the 200 back cut. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Um, I know I was your fat ass couldn't make the 200 back cut. <laughs> I, <couldn't, laughs> I, I don't swim back at all now. I don't swim back or press at all now. <laughs> But he still, Chris still made it in the hundred back. Yeah, yeah, still um, cooked my ass. I was just saying, like, I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, sometimes I, I'll be around campus and I'll think, like, whenever I'm sad, I'll think, like, wow, I could probably beat this guy in like a hundred, a hundred butterfly or something. Like, if it came down to it, like, if it came down to the wire, I could probably, I, I'd win. I, I'd, I get my hand on the wall first, but, but I, I don't know. That, I've been, that's all I've, I had to I've say. been oh. doing that sometimes. Like, uh, I'll be like. <laughs> I'll be like walking around. I'll see like an Asian guy that kind of looks like a little buff, like kind of looks like me, like probably has a mid part. I'll be like, nah, I'll, more than I, I'll cook this. I'll cook this dude though. You cook him in a fight. Though. Like put us you in a ring. Yeah, no, nah, it's game over. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not true, um, but I don't know. We'll see. One other thing I wanted to to talk about, Chris, was when you talked about Marcus and like Marcus said that he wanted to hit this goal, and then like you were like. Sounded like you were like a, almost like a hundred percent happy, or or a hundred percent completely happy for him, like when he hit that. And I think that's like a, a very. I'm feeling that like right now. Like I don't know if you guys saw. I tweeted something recently. I was like, uh, um, one of the greatest feelings in the world is seeing your friend's hard work pay pay off. And I said, I just liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I think it's like it. very, very, very true because for Josh, like for 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 Josh and his friends specifically, because that's the period of time the recruiting timeline right now it's like when i was there josh would get back multiple like for four or five nights in a row like at 4 a.m you know basically he's working on this thing 18 hours a day um barely like stopping to like use the bathroom or or get a meal or anything like that and did not talking with with just just you know heads down working really hard for solid like whatever it is and all of his friends are doing this and it's like it amazes me how hard you guys work and like how much you care about this thing so i was i'm just like i'm finally seeing it come all together like with with anna and umagi like everyone's getting what they were working so hard for so i think yeah. it's like a it's a great thing to to experience and to to, to witness i think yeah mm-hmm. i think like this is like a separate topic but like at the same time like where, where we see this like because we're, we're really close friends with these people on the flip side there's people that like had not put in the work like they very obviously don't have the same passion for this as like some of our friends do but they're still like landing on another place and, and like when that happens you definitely feel like a another sense like it's a it's like another different feeling right it's like not a sense of happiness it's more of like a like it's like the same dang it should have been me kind of feeling like i think this is similar Mm -hmm. to like when when everyone was applying to colleges and you'll see like like random people get into like great schools um and you'll be like like dang how did that happen right and it's just like it just feels off um feels a little weird don't really know how to feel about it um but i don't know if if that like does that happen to you guys like chris like I, i know like swimming um i remember talking with like old friend of ours like gabe you remember gabe um yeah like, <laughs> gabe. like i remember oh, talking gabe. like and and gabe is like a huge like probably one of the hardest people uh hardest working people i knew like in swimming um at our club mm-hmm. and and he gets so frustrated when like 
some other person would drop a bunch of time like randomly. I remember this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and they would like go. They would like slack during practice. They wouldn't warm up properly. They would like treat their body like shit. Yeah, just all around, just like didn't work as hard as he did. But um, when when they dropped and he did, and he would get super super mad. And, and like I I think that's like pretty reasonable. I'm just curious, like do you guys feel that like like recently, or is it like a like since college admissions has have you felt something similar? Yeah. Um... I, I actually don't think I felt it since college admissions and like, yeah, like I, I don't, I, yeah, I can't really remember when I've last felt that mainly because one is like, I think a lot of the things that I, I I'm working towards now are very like, yeah, I don't know. They're more merit, maybe more meritocratic than something like the college admissions process, which, you know, uh-huh. you know, as, as you guys know, it's like, there's a lot of just like random, like luck and, and things that you can't really control involved. So that that's one mm-hmm. thing. And another thing is like, I, I think I just have less like effort and attention and like I just basically less shits to give about people that I'm not close with. Um, yeah. Like if someone that I don't really know or don't really care about gets something that I want, it's like I don't really care. You know, it's like it's, it just happened. Like uh, there are millions of people out there in the world that are getting what I want, but I, I don't really pay attention because I don't really know them. You know. Yeah. So I think that's like a mindset shift. Is just um, for me in the past year or two is just caring more about the things that matter and caring less about the things that don't, which has been helpful in that context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, definitely like in high school, you're more of in like, you, you know, like everyone in your like class, basically like even across schools, like, you know what they're up to and everything. But I think there's like a huge perspective shift when you go to college and you meet like all these like new people. Now you have like your high school people, like they sort of like fade away. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you don't really care about what they're up to anymore. You don't like, yeah, they'll, they'll do exactly. something yeah. cool. Like I'll, I'll see like people post on LinkedIn that like, I, like I knew in high school and like, I can feel happy for them now. Cause it's, it's like, I'm not, I'm no longer like seeing this person every day. And like, it's, it's like awesome that they got this now. And like, I can like be happy for them. And I don't, but I don't like care as much either about like them getting, it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like whatever direction this emotion is, like positive or negative, the magnitude is like very small. I just like if, if I see, like you said, Chris, on LinkedIn, that someone from high school got did, accomplished something or got something, even if it's something I want, it's like it just doesn't really register on my mind anymore, which which I think. Yeah, I think it has been like very, very healthy thing. And I'm like, I think my life is is better for it. You know, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. What about like in college, though? Like what about like the people that like maybe you go to class with, you know, like what kind of effort they put into school? And like, let's say like they land like an uh, insane amount, like a insane internship or something. Like, uh, does that like make you feel, I don't know. Like, the, is the magnitude still there then? No, no. It's like, if, if I don't, if I'm not friends with them, it's like, I don't really care. It's like, care. Okay. if they landed, yeah, it's like good. for them, you know, like, yeah. I don't really care. And, and I think that I'm like, you know, I, I'm intentional enough that I wouldn't consider myself close friends with people, those people that would like slack off, you know? So yeah. it's like. It's not really the case that someone I do care about has been slacking off and then got got something, you know, like I'm pretty, you know, try to be intentional about like surrounding yourself with people who work hard and have like, you know, positive qualities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was going to say that basically the same thing. Like I think all like my friends in college right now are all like super hard workers. And like I, I, I can say that I feel happy for them when they get like stuff that I think they, they deserve. And then like as for like other people, so like. We used to have like this guy in the swim team. He he uh he stopped swimming, but he was like really really rich. Like he was a uh, he was a billy like he was a billionaire basically. And I would see like on LinkedIn Jeez. he would be posting like he would do all these like insane internships. Like I he was like working with like the New York Mets on like 
like he was like on their financial team or something. I don't know. I don't know exactly know, but he was like working for the Mets. And it was, I, I think partly like, obviously it was partly because of like the connections he can make. But like, I feel like that kind of thing, like, I don't know if he was like the, I, would, I don't want to say he wasn't like the most deserving of it, but like, obviously he had like more connections than other people. And like, it just sort of became like, a joke like for like the the rest of us like oh like he, he can do all these cool things i don't i don't know if you guys like feel that way about that sort of scenario yeah i know i know what you mean like there's people in in like the cohort where they'll have like parents that are mds at like blank blank bank and they'll end up there and you'll just be like like it's like handed to them almost right and uh i don't know it's like a it's just a weird feeling but yeah, um, I think like at the end of the day, like you can only focus on yourself. Like back to the thing where like the only person that can hundred percent us completely support you hundred percent of the time is is you. Uh, and so like just knowing that everything that you can do is in your hands and your hands only um, is like refreshing and like especially when you're just considering like the successes that other people have. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like it's that's that's a tough one, you know, like people who have these unfair advantages maybe unfair is not even the word but just like advantages that you know it's like out of your control and yeah i, I see that I, I think it helps to remind yourself like there's literally nothing you can do about this right like yeah there's nothing you can do to get that advantage there's nothing you can do to take away that advantage from the other person there's like no remedy right except maybe you work harder right it's just like up, up to up to you on that front so that 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 kind of helps but yeah yeah I was just going to say, I think this goes back to, I know we talked about this a while ago, but like, we just have to stop comparing yourself with like other people as much. Like in the end of the day, like you're like, you, there's nothing you can do. Like you said, you like, you can't become someone else, but you can, what you can do is just like better your yourself basically. And you'll like realize once you stop comparing yourself, you'll see all of your like redeeming qualities and just focus on working on those instead of only seeing your flaws and seeing how other people are so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope to people listening, this doesn't just sound like three three friends coping, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't no, we yeah. be better, bro? I think, no, but I think it's like a good attitude to have, I think. Because it, it, it's not like, there's a fine line between this and like making excuses, right? But um, mm-hmm. I think everyone, like all three of us and all of our friends are like like very hardworking people. Um, yeah. They know what they want and they're, they're like give up a lot to try, try and get that. Yeah. I think so, another yeah. trend for me in the just the past couple of years is like being, I think I, I'm now, maybe now it's just because everyone goes into college, people are like starting to like differentiate, right? Like when you're in high school, everyone kind of wants the same thing, which is like getting to a good college. Mm. But now mm. people are like somewhat differentiating. I think it's like, it's been a lot easier for me to feel like truly happy for, for my friends and stuff. Like, just like, I, I know like when, when Josh signs his, his offer and when Chris gets into medical school, those are going to be like, like, like the oh. one, probably like those those two days when those happen will be like the best days of that year, you know? Yeah, for me. huge milestones mm-hmm. for us. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Chris got Chris got a, a ways to go, you know. Two more years, yeah, baby. Hello, hello. So far <laughs> off, bro. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Cool. That was a yeah good discussion on that. Do we want to do a like a thing we learned from the week or something we read or just listen yeah, to? We can, I know that. There's all the SVB stuff going on. I don't know if we want to talk about that, but <laughs> yeah, this is a, it's a little, maybe it's a little too technical for us. But uh, yeah, I think it's I, I've been reading up on it and stuff, and like reading a lot of Twitter tweets on it. Pretty interesting. Uh, there's like a like a group chat that my Wall Street from McCombs uh, like cohort has, and one person said that like he had a friend that had like three interviews in the same week, and every single one of those interviews asked about like like their thoughts on SVB and like what's gonna happen stuff. 
Uh, and so I think I think like a lot of the big things that people are waiting on is like the the FDIC. What are they going to do with like the um, like covering people's uh, or like the the VC firms' money or like the startups' money? Like I think there's like something of like you can't or they they only are legally obligated to cover up to like two hundred fifty thousand dollars or something, and so mm-hmm. the majority of those over are like 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 smaller startups and stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah. I'm reading this book right now. I'm like, also another thing, like another update, like going back to the beginning of the episode, Eli got me a Kindle when he came to, to Austin to visit. Um, and so, dude, I love this thing. I actually love this thing. It's like, so one of the big things like that I have like problem with books is like, okay, one is clunky. Second is like, it's like, a, it's like Loki, like a huge effort to read. Um, like you, it's like a, you have to sit down, open the book, that kind of stuff. Like tablets, you just whip it out and like, you know, you can read on your phone as well, like the Kindle, um, on the Kindle app and stuff. And so like, like Eli told me a while ago that his, he loved reading Kindle on the, on the subway. So I did that a couple of times in New York. Absolutely loved it. It's like a, it's like a great thing. Cause you can like focus on the book, but then in the background, you, if like your stop comes up, you can hear like, Oh, it's time to go or something. And I've been reading this book. It's called monkey business. And it was recommended to me by like a, actually like an MD at Evercore. And it's really, really, really interesting book. It's like, these two associates that worked in Wall Street, like at this bank, is DLJ, um, in like 1998, I think. And this is like vintage Wall Street, like think like pre like um, Wolf of Wall Street type things. Like it's 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 so crazy, like to see how like how drastic the culture has changed. Um, and so it's like really really interesting reading like the types of stuff that they do. But it's also like it's kind of like heartbreaking. It's like dang, like these people like were getting worked crazy hours, and then they'd go and like be super like i don't know like just do heinous like stuff um but i think it's pretty interesting i think the writing style is really interesting i've been thinking a lot about like what it would look like to write co-write something with someone i've been trying to get my my roommate to write something with me because because i think he has a lot of interesting perspectives and stuff but i think like how they they implement that into the book is really interesting and so essentially what they do is like within each chapter they'll alternate maybe like a couple of times but they'll start like in order to like remind the reader who's talking they don't say like they don't write their name or like italicize or anything they like start talking and then like maybe like a sentence or two in they'll refer to the other person and then be like his, his name's like Trube um it'll be like Trube and I and then you know it's like the other guy or like um some other person and I um like like from that perspective so I thought that's pretty interesting it's like pretty easy to follow along it's a really funny read actually but um yeah I'd recommend it if, if you're interested in banking but love the nice. Kindle thanks Eli yeah, of course. Glad you like it. Yeah, for uh, for me, something. Oh, the past couple of weeks been consuming a lot of content related to the NBA. Not like NBA games, though. I've been watching NBA games, but just like NBA as a business. Um, like I read a, read a couple articles about like the NBA's and the and the future and and stuff, and also listened to a really good episode of Acquired. Acquired, if you guys don't know, is like um, it's a podcast. These two guys. Um, both work in VC, but what they do is they break down like legendary companies and try to develop a playbook for why they succeeded, you know? So like, this is the playbook for why like Amazon worked out so well. And then they did an episode on the history of the NBA and like where it's heading in the future and stuff. And it's a very, very interesting, very interesting listen. Um, if you're at all interested in the NBA, I think one thing that stuck out with me is that the NBA out of all the major sports leagues in the United States, their individual players have like a ton of like social media presence and influence. Like um, if you compare it to the big three is like basketball, baseball, and football, right? Like hockey is a much just smaller market cap in the U S. So of the big three, 
Major League Baseball, it's like the demographic is much older. I think the episode said the average age of a of a MLB like uh, viewer is like 59 or something compared to the NBA, which is like 42. So it's like significantly older. And MLB just has way less social media presence. Like way uh, the most followed person on like Instagram from the MLB has like 18 million followers or something like that compared to LeBron James who has 100 million plus. So it's like an order of magnitude different. And um, the NFL, you know, has a huge following. But um, I think the NFL, what they said is they actively suppress um, their players' views. Like if you think back to like Colin Kaepernick and the and the kneeling. But the thing that stuck out to me was like um, in the NFL, the players wear helmets. So their like brands aren't as recognizable as NBA players. They're like hidden behind helmets. And, and so, you know, that they can't build that personality that NBA players have, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I, I thought about this actually. I think NBA is like, I think I, I really like basketball. I think basketball is the best sport to watch mm-hmm. um, purely because you're so close to the action. You can see like the sweat on like dripping off the players' faces. And I think that's super unique only to basketball. Like even on like a soccer, like, a, like in like a soccer game, you're so far, like the field is so far, you can't possibly see every single person. Um, and then like even in baseball, like sure, you're really close to the field um, and they're not wearing like any gear over their face. But like not only is the field large, but the rest of the bench players are like sitting within like the the dugouts. And so like most of the times you can't even see them celebrating. And so there's not like a, a huge development of personality. But like in the NBA, you can see like, oh, like they start dancing on the side and you can hear them arguing with the ref, like hear them yelling at each other. And so there's a lot more personality involved. And I, I think like that's why I like basketball so much and watching basketball. Um, yeah. And so like that's why I think the shows like Drive to Survive or Full Swing or um, what's Break the other point. one? Breakpoint. Breakpoint yeah. are, are so like like are doing so well and like are, are helping the sport so much. It's because they they offer personality into like sports that typically are, are seen as like very traditional or like just like like individual sports that they don't have like like you know too much too much emotion or, or, or personality behind but um yeah i think that's that's a good point as well anything from you Chris? I, I just like basketball i guess i just like basketball like i, I don't i don't i'm i'm obviously not like as huge a basketball fan as they are but i like it because it's like high scoring usually <laughs> i don't know I don't read yeah, much. Yeah. It is here. like faster pace. But it's, it's fun. Yeah. NFL and and I think, I think, I think what you guys said was true. Like it's a lot easier to like, at least for me to like, as like a, a sports, like outside of swimming, like I don't know as much about sports as YouTube, but it's a lot easier for me to like recognize basketball players and like sort of like have favorites for that. Like rather than like the NFL, I realize. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've been recording for about an hour now. That was a, Good episode guys i hope everyone enjoyed this like catch up and and discussion about yeah just, like feeling happy for your friends yeah it's something just like very present on, on my mind and and probably y'all y'all the rest of y'all mind but yeah hopefully everyone learned something and as always uh reach out if you have any feedback that kind of stuff um any last words from you guys no uh hopefully we hit that 15 number by the end of april that will be yeah huge. three more to go exactly let's after go this one. all right <laughs> bye everyone all right Bye. Peace. Bye.